Thank you for joining us for this podcast from College Church of the Nazarene, University Avenue. The following was recorded live on location in Bourbonnais, Illinois. So that was a big deal, Jesus' baptism was. Now, baptism is always a big deal. Because it's a tangible marker of our entrance into another kingdom and our embracing of another identity. Whether you're six months old or six years old or 36 years old or 66 years old. How old were you when you were baptized? Baptism is a marker. It's a sign of the covenant. Not unlike what circumcision symbolized for the Hebrews. And not unlike a wedding. It is a sign of the covenant. Baptism is the sign of the covenant between God and us. It is the pledge of fidelity from us to God and from God to us. Baptism is us saying to God, I'm yours. But more significantly, it is God saying to us, you're mine. I've got you. And that's the power and significance and meaning of baptism. How old were you when you were baptized? And the first Christians who faced a much harder time being Christian than we do, generally speaking, clung to their baptismal identity. I've been baptized was what they were taught to say when facing threats to their faith. But I've been baptized, meaning I am safe in God's hands. I don't belong to you. I belong to him. And so baptism is us hearing what Jesus heard at his baptism. You are my child whom I love. With you I am well pleased. When those first Christians were faithful to being baptized, and there's no record of anyone coming to the faith in our New Testaments who, upon coming to the faith, wasn't subsequently baptized. Those first Christians were faithful to being baptized, first of all, because Jesus was. And they were followers of Jesus. And not followers of Jesus theoretically. They thought they ought to actually do the things that Jesus did. And so they imitated his behavior. They imitated him. They did what he did. And I should add, not only in baptism, they imitated Jesus in his prayer life. Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. And so they did. In his faithfulness to worship, as was his custom, Jesus went to the synagogue. And so they did. In his obedience to authority, to his parents, submitting to Herod, submitting to Pilate, and clearly submitting to his heavenly father. In his obedience to authority, they imitated him. In his self-denial, the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. In his welcoming of the stranger, in his tending to the sick, in his commitment to children. In truth, in every age, followers of Jesus actually do what Jesus did. And if we don't, then we're probably more admirers of Jesus than followers. And I think he's got a lot of admirers. He's longing for followers. And so, since Jesus was baptized, they were. 
They followed him by actually being baptized. And secondly, they were faithful to being baptized, not only because it was what Jesus did, but because it's what Jesus told them to do. In Matthew's gospel, the last thing Jesus said to his disciples was this, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Oh, we know this text. I hope we know this text. Because what Jesus told those first disciples to do is what we, 2,000 years later, here at College Church, believe we should be doing as well. This is what College Church understands as our mission. We are about making disciples, which is, frankly, hard work. It is a never-ending project. It is a lifelong endeavor. It requires hard things. It requires confession. It requires repentance. It requires faithfulness to the Lord's direction, and it requires commitment to God's people. All that we do here at College Church is to that end, provide all of us an opportunity to become better disciples of Jesus Christ. And of course, we can't make anyone become a disciple. That's not in our power. But we can sure provide those who desire to become a disciple. We can sure provide those who desire to opportunities to become disciples. And so we go, Jesus said go, to places near and far, near Salvation Army tomorrow. Portugal in June, near and far, to all nations. And our giving to missions is a going. I am continually overwhelmed and inspired by college church faithfulness to giving to causes and concerns outside these walls. $150,000 will be given to ministries outside this church. Absolutely amazing. So we go to places near and far, and we baptize, and we teach obedience to everything Jesus commanded by our commitment to where he commanded it, and that is in the written word. And of course, we celebrate God's presence among us. So followers of Jesus get baptized because he was and because he told us to. So it was a big deal, Jesus' baptism. How old were you when you were baptized? It was a big deal because it was the beginning of the work that Jesus came to do. It was the inauguration of Jesus' ministry, his baptism was. Jesus' baptism was a big deal, but it was a big deal for more than it just being Jesus' baptism, as big a deal as that was, because something else happened that day. As soon as Jesus came up out of the water, he saw the heavens being torn open, and the Spirit descended on Jesus like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you're my son whom I love with you, I am well pleased. Now, I don't know how you picture Jesus' baptism, but I'm guessing that most of us picture Jesus' baptism as kind of a tranquil event in kind of a bucolic pastoral setting, at least if the Renaissance paintings of Jesus', Jesus baptism is, is any indication. But Jesus wasn't in a church. He was at the Jordan River. And I think we still picture him wading quietly out into the water and people kind of watching quietly. I don't think that we think of it as being very dramatic. And by that I mean you wouldn't know that it was a big deal that day if you weren't paying attention. 
And the dove descending kind of lends itself to that kind of impression, a peaceful dove fluttering down from heaven. And Mark tells us it wasn't like that at all. No, as Jesus came up out of the water, this is what Mark says happened. The heavens were torn open. The sky split. I have no idea what that would have looked like. I have no idea what that would look like. But it wasn't a gently opening up of an envelope with a letter opener. That's not what happened that day. It was a tear in the firmament. It was a ripping apart of the heavens. At Jesus' baptism, the heavens were torn open. And then God the Father spoke. And I don't know how you imagine that sounded. God the Father speaking to his son on the day of his son's baptism. But if Psalm 29 is in the indication, it wasn't quiet. The voice of the Lord thundered. And we might have a clue as to how it sounded that day because on another occasion when God spoke to Jesus, recorded by the Apostle John in John 12, the crowd that was there and heard it said it had thundered. So on the day of Jesus' baptism, the heavens were torn open and the voice of God thundered. So Jesus' baptism by John the Baptist might have more affinity with how God revealed himself to Moses and those Old Testament theophanies than with the gentle images we might have. It was a big deal, Jesus' baptism. And not only because of the baptism, and not only because the heavens were ripped apart and God spoke in a way that was heard, it was a big deal, Jesus' baptism was, because God the Holy Spirit manifested himself as a dove and descended on Jesus. As soon as Jesus came up out of the water, he saw the heavens being torn open, and the Spirit descended on him like a dove, indicating what? Meaning what? That the Holy Spirit possessed Jesus, and that Jesus possessed the Holy Spirit, that they were one. God the Father... God the Son and God the Holy Spirit all revealed at Jesus' baptism at the inauguration of Jesus' ministry. And all four gospel writers reported on the Holy Spirit descending on Jesus that day. Matthew 3.16, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. We read Mark 1.10, as soon as Jesus came up out of the water, he saw the heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him. Luke 3, when all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, which is not insignificant, Heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And even John's gospel, which is a different gospel than Matthew, Mark, and Luke, even John reported this. Then John the Baptist gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And folks, what the gospel writers want us to know, among other things, that it was, is this, is that it was the Father, Son, and Spirit all working together to accomplish the mission of Christ. And what we need to know is that Jesus did not do anything apart from direction from the Father and empowerment by the Holy Spirit. In the very next verse, which we did not read, but which we'll read during Lent, this is what happened. At once, the Spirit sent Jesus into the wilderness. Mark 1. Matthew 4. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Luke 4. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Folks, it was God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit all working together to accomplish the mission of Christ. Jesus could not have done what Jesus did without obedience to the Father and empowerment by the Holy Spirit. 
And think of the season of Christmas we just came through. None of what we celebrated would have happened without the work or the power of the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist couldn't have done what he was doing without the Holy Spirit. I mean, you know what the angel said to his father in the temple? Don't be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you're to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit before he is born. John the Baptist couldn't have done what he was doing without the Holy Spirit. And Jesus would not have been able, Jesus would not have been born without the power of the Holy Spirit. I mean, to Mary, the angel said, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Which the angel told Joseph. An angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Jesus would not have been born without the Holy Spirit. And Zechariah could not have rejoiced at the news of John's birth apart from the Holy Spirit. John's father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. And Simeon would not have seen Jesus were it not for the Holy Spirit. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. And moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. This whole past season of Christmas would not have been celebrated without the work and power of the Holy Spirit. And more to the point, to this morning, the evangelist Luke reported categorically that the reason Jesus could do what he was doing was because of the Holy Spirit. Luke 4, 14 Jesus returned from the wilderness to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And news about him spread through the whole countryside. Jesus returned from the wilderness to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And news about him spread through the whole countryside. And Jesus himself acknowledged that it was the Holy Spirit that was working in him and through him. In Luke 4, Jesus went to Nazareth where he'd been brought up. The Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me. The Spirit of the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. The Spirit of the Lord has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery, sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. It was the Spirit of the Lord that was working in our Savior. And in the middle of Jesus' ministry, Luke again acknowledged the power of the Spirit enabling Jesus to do what Jesus was doing. At that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. The Father, Son, and Spirit all revealed in Luke 10, 21. And on another occasion, in another synagogue, after Jesus healed a man with a shriveled hand, Jesus telling them not to speak of it, Jesus spoke to the crowd following him and said, this was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. Here is my servant whom I have chosen, the one I love and whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him and he will proclaim justice to the nations. Last one. And in Luke, and Luke the evangelist in Acts 1, summarized how it was that Jesus was able to do all that Jesus did. In my former book, Theophilus, I, write about all, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. 
after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. So Jesus' baptism was a big deal. And not only because of the baptism, which is a pretty big deal in and of itself, and not only because the heavens were torn open and God thundered from the heavens, Jesus' baptism was a big deal because on the day of Jesus' baptism, it was revealed that God, the Holy Spirit, was with Jesus. And that the Holy Spirit possessed Jesus and that Jesus possessed the Holy Spirit. And folks, what the gospel writers want us to know, among other things, is that it was the Father, Son, and Spirit all working together to accomplish the mission of Christ. What we need to know is Jesus did not do anything apart from direction from the Father and empowerment by the Holy Spirit. Jesus did not do anything apart from obedience to the Father and empowerment by the Holy Spirit. It was God the Father, it is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit accomplishing the work of God. The day of Jesus' baptism, that's what was revealed. It was a big deal, Jesus' baptism, worthy of the heavens being torn open, worthy of the voice of God thundering. But believe it or not, there's another reason it was a big deal. Because what else it indicated, what else it meant, what else it inaugurated, you might remember what John the Baptist said Jesus would do. Inaugurated by the baptism and descent of the Holy Spirit. This is John the Baptist talking now. After me will come one more powerful than I, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. That's worth a lot of amens. As said Matthew and Luke, using the exact same words, I baptize you with water for repentance, said John the Baptist, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And said John, I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. So guess what? Jesus, who was inhabited by the Holy Spirit, revealed for all to see, guess what Jesus came to do? Just give us that same Holy Spirit that enabled him to do all that he was doing. That is what Jesus came to do. He did not come only to forgive. As, in, as, as necessary and crucial and central to our faith as that is, he came to give us himself. He came to give us his spirit. Jesus gives us that same Holy Spirit which enabled him to do all that he did. So the word is spreading about Jesus in the first century after Jesus' ascension. Apostle Paul has been converted and he's not only evangelizing, he's discipling. He's spending time with those churches. He's not, he is not simply saying Confess Jesus as Lord and moving on. He is spending time with them. So the Apostle Paul didn't, was not only an evangelist, he was a discipler. 
And according to Luke in Acts 19, he came across some disciples of Jesus in Ephesus who had evidently heard about Jesus, but didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. Here's the story. We read it already. Did, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Paul asked. And they said, no, we, we, we've not even heard there's a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him that is in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized into the name of Lord Jesus. And when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them. Those poor followers of Jesus in Ephesus who thought that following Jesus was simply about amending their lives, who thought following Jesus was simply about changing the way they lived. Those poor followers of Jesus in Ephesus who were trying to follow Jesus on their own strength, evidently, and didn't know the truly good news of the gospel, and who on the day the evangelist, disciple, or Paul went to them, were liberated from the bondage of their own good efforts by being told and receiving about the enabling and empowering Holy Spirit of God himself. Those poor followers of Jesus in Ephesus, they didn't know that the reason Jesus came was to give those who call him Lord the very same spirit that was evident in him. This is the gospel. After me will come one, says John, more powerful than I, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. That's the good news of the gospel. It is the relationship with Jesus Christ by virtue of him living present within us. That is the good news. A call to moral excellence without the power of the Spirit is enslavement. What Jesus came to do is give us the same Holy Spirit that enabled him to do all that he was doing. And I've said everything I've said so far to say this. If Jesus did not do anything apart from obedience from the Father, obedience to the Father, if Jesus did not do anything apart from direction from the Father and empowerment by the Holy Spirit then why in the world would we ever think we could? If Jesus did not do anything apart from obedience to the Father and empowerment by the Holy Spirit, then why in the world would we think we ever could? And I'm afraid that some of Jesus' followers are like the folk in Ephesus, trying to follow Jesus and be like him and do his work on their own strength, and folks, it is impossible. It is one of the reasons people give up on the faith because they think it's about moral betterment and they don't realize it's about a relationship with the God who lives among us and in us. Jesus didn't even try to do that. The only way we will ever be what God has created us to be and the only way we're going to be able to do the work that God has prepared for us to do is if we do it the way Jesus did, in obedience to the Father and empowered by the Holy Spirit. And I'm afraid there's a whole lot of Jesus admirers who are not really seeking the Father's direction. And I'm afraid that even among some of his followers, there's some trying to follow Jesus on their own strength.
Jesus didn't do anything apart from direction from the Father and empowered by the Spirit. Why in the world would we ever think we could? So I'm going to ask you a variation of the question the Apostle Paul asked those followers of Jesus that he discovered in Ephesus. A variation of the question. I want you to hear it. Don't you know that the Lord Jesus has given you the Holy Spirit? Don't you know that God the Holy Spirit lives in you? Don't you know that we don't do anything in our own strength? That is only by the power of the Spirit. If Jesus didn't, we can't. And Jesus came to give you his Spirit. And it is the Spirit within us that empowers and enables us to do the work that God requires of us. I'll say it one more time. If Jesus didn't do anything apart from direction from the Father and empowerment by the Holy Spirit, then why in the world would we ever think we could? So here's the message in eight words. I have said all that I have said so far to say this. Nurture the Spirit of God within you. Nurture the Spirit of God within you. I'm afraid we have a bunch of emaciated believers because we're starving the life of the Spirit. Nurture the life of the Spirit within you by spending time in prayer. Nurture the life of the Spirit within you by reading His Word. Nurture the life of the Spirit by spending time with God's people and community. You go it alone, you're going to be alone. Nurture the life of the Spirit by serving. Nurture the life of the Spirit by, by, by attending to the sacrament which the Lord has provided us as a symbol of His presence. Nurture the life of the Spirit within you. Don't be emaciated, stumbling through life, trying to follow Jesus on your own strength. Nurture the life of the Spirit within you. He's starving for fellowship with the Son. The Spirit is starving for fellowship with the Father. Pray. Jesus didn't pray dutifully. He prayed because he needed to. What does it say about us if we never need to pray? Jesus didn't dutifully read the word. He was looking for relationship with his Father in the written word. Jesus didn't dutifully go to the synagogue. He loved being with God's people. And he didn't dutifully serve. He served because it was the life of the Spirit through him that was compelling him to serve. Nurture the life of the Spirit within you and ask the Spirit to do it. Spirit, I, I, I'm not a very good prayer. Would you help me pray? Jesus, help me pray. Oh, Jesus, help me get into your, help me study your word. Oh, Spirit, compel me to serve in such a way that there's joy in it. Nurture the life of the Spirit within you. If Jesus didn't do anything apart from direction from the Father and empowerment by the Spirit, then I don't, don't know why in the world we think we can. Let this year be the year you live in the Spirit. 
Let this year be the year you live in the Spirit. The Comforter has come. The Comforter has already come. Receive Him today. Receive Him again today. You've been listening to a podcast from College Church of the Nazarene, University Avenue. If you care to join us for worship, we meet each Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. at 200 University Avenue in Bourbonnais, Illinois. We also offer a full range of activities, classes, small group meetings, and events throughout the week. For a complete list of what's going on at College Church or for more information on how you can get involved, please go to www.collegechurch.org.